podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Friday and the fantastic news is that Arsenal are currently joint top of the Premier League with a game in hand and everything is absolutely fine. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, just as my webcam collapses again, and I'm joined by my very good friend. Adam, Rory, it's been a very long day. I know we've been talking offline about this, but it feels like this episode might be one of those de-stress levers for both of us at the moment. It feels like it's going to be one of those episodes, but plus got some interesting news that have taken place you know good few results i'm trying to drag this as much as i can while you're just jesus christ go on, playing yes. up um but i think it's clear to see that spezia board as well as the salonitana board listen to our podcast because david nicola is sat for a second time this season and unfortunately luca gotti is sacked at spezia what did you make of that news I thought, honestly, I was just waiting for the tweet of like, we'll take you back, Nicola, again. <laughs> I was waiting to see if they could go longer than 48 hours this time. But I think Paolo Souza isn't the worst appointment. I think it's an interesting one. I think obviously yeah. now, as a Poland fan, you might have some feelings towards him because he kind of arrived and then left quite quickly, right? That was mm. him, no? Yeah. I th- yeah, it was. And it, uh, th- to be fair, I thought I was behind him in terms of the style of football. It was really good, interesting. I think he came with a bit of reputation of like promising to play really attractive football. And then mm. it kind of doesn't materialise into results, essentially. Um, we had warnings from the likes of Leicester City fans, Swansea City fans, as well as QPR fans. And then... You kind of saw it transition into his spell at Poland. And then he, as you allude to, went off to um, go and try it with Fluminense in mm-hmm. Brazil and then lasted barely six months there. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting, like, appointment. But I mm-hmm. suppose it's something different to what we spoke on Monday as well. Um, I was more surprised personally, though, Rory, about Gotti being made sacks at space. Yeah. I think that is an interesting one. Now, we've been saying for a while that they are kind of getting dragged into it, but I feel like mm. there would, there would have been enough in performances to be like, to have a bit of encouragement. Like we talked about exactly. against Napoli. Okay, they lost 3-0, 2-0 against Napoli in the end, right? 3-0 against Napoli. But that first half, they were fantastic. And mm. I feel like in parts of games, maybe that's the issue. It's only in parts of games they do well. But I think it's a very, like now they've put themselves in a position where they have to get this decision right. Whereas I think yes. they could have, with Gotti, they could have still had a chance. Everything was like, everything could have been stable. Everything exactly. was just like, we could just get there because the teams below us are worse. Mm. Whereas now this decision has a lot of pressure on it because you could look back in four months time, however long it is and go, yeah. oh damn, we shouldn't have sat that guy. Now we're in Serie B and we've got a manager who's put us in a worse situation exactly. than the guy we had. I feel like it's a really ballsy move what i would hope is that when a club does something like that they've got somebody in mind and they've got someone almost lined up like well you you want someone to just sign the paper and it's done but you would hope that they've not done a Leeds united and kind of done this with no (laughs) thinking about it whatsoever and that they've because i don't feel like their hand was forced into second him like how did you feel no no i thought it was kind of 
it felt like they dwelled on it. It sounds mm-hmm. like they probably looked at the performance against Empoli and kind of thought, shit, we're losing results. We're losing games unnecessarily sometimes. And like you allude to, you kind of think if you're having those thoughts, you'd have someone or you would have spoken to someone to kind of sound out if there's a possibility that someone might fancy the move. Um, it doesn't feel like that's happened. Um, and I don't know if they're trying to cheap out on the appointment as well. And we were talking offline, Rory, about who could potentially replace him. Now, there's only two men that I think could do a job right now that I know that are free agents. And that's... Davide Nicola, of course. Well, there, there is that. I wasn't even considering him. Um, <laughs> but um, we talked about Walter Mazzari. Mm-hmm. He might yeah. come in and just do a job. Right, and then the other one was Gennaro Gattuso. Who, now he's got a reputation, but he could get them playing exciting football, right? Well, I, I think oh, definitely. I think he's yeah. a manager who, like, he's someone that it's kind of weird. I thought he's kind of the manager I expected Pirlo to mm. be. I think, yeah. like, Pirlo as a player was this really like sophisticated, like, uh. And give off this air of like a football intellectual. And I think (laughs) as much as I think Pirlo has been misjudged because he still did very well with Juve, seeing what we're seeing now, I think Gattuso, he wasn't the most sophisticated footballer. He wasn't the most artistic. Maybe you'd expect his teams to just be like, you know, fighting Mm. Joe Jordan on the sideline every time. (laughs) But actually his teams played really good football. When he was at Napoli, he did really well. He won the Coppa Italia with them, right? Yeah. He got them pushing back up where they should have been. I feel like his time was really good. And then at Valencia, now we've seen since and what's going on there, that that club makes makes Barcelona look like a (laughs) well-run, smooth organization. Like it is an absolute bin fire over there. And I think there's Mm. only so much he could do. And eventually I think him and the club have just said, you know, we can't work together anymore. And fair play to Gattuso because I think, Without getting into the Valencia situation, the sooner Peter Lim, Gary Neville's mate, gets out of that <laughs> club, it's the better for Valencia because he is absolutely yeah. ruining that club. But I think Gattuso did the best that he could with his best did, players yeah. being sold at every opportunity. And I think he's a manager that could offer so much to a team. And I think Spezia could do a lot worse than bringing him in. Exactly. Now, has he has he taken over at a team in a relegation battle? Off the top of my head, not really. Even when no. he was in Switzerland, I think he was in a kind of fairly decent side over there. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he's able to deal with that. But that being said, the type of character he is, I mm. think he's going to be able to gender a um, an atmosphere of combat and fight and exactly. us against the world, etc. I think I think Spetcher could do a lot worse. Like, how would you feel about it? I, I think I'd be welcoming him with open arms, to be mm-hmm. fair. I think he gives you fresh air. He gives you potentially the ability to sign players that maybe Spezia have struggled to sign mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like, to be fair, Spezia haven't got like a bad squad at the moment. They've got a few good no. individuals in that squad. Granted, they sold Kivor to Arsenal. But again, if you think about the money that's been reinvested, Shmorodov's been mm-hmm. a smart signing, I think, personally. Um, yeah. And as we say, they've got some solid players in that squad. So, I, you know, it granted, I, I think it would be good appointment if they could make that happen. But mm-hmm. it does feel like at the moment they don't have a plan. And similar to Salinatana at the moment, they just oh. don't seem to have a clue. So let's see what happens. But Rory, we've got to also talk about our stories of the weekend. So I'll, I'll let you introduce yours first. 
Yeah, well, guys, I'm repping the shirt, right? I'm repping the mug. It's got a very hot drink, though, so I'm just trying to hold it quite steadily. <laughs> um, it is the return of the League of Ireland tonight, as you are listening. It is back. It's a summer league. It's always on Friday night, so there's no excuse not to watch it. And it is a great league to watch. Now, Dundalk aren't as successful as they used to be, which is a shame. They were cleaning up for a while when they had Stephen Kenny in charge. Um, the current holders are Shamrock Rovers. They are very, very, very good. Um, they've brought in, they've had a big summer. They've brought in quite a few players, brought in a centre back from uh, Estonia that people are quite excited about, Poom. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if he's Mark Poom's son. I think Ooh. he is. But it's a centre-back they brought in from Florin, Flor, Florina Tarlin, I think they're called, okay. um, that people are quite excited about. Now, I'm only bringing this up partly because I love Dundalk, want to see them do well. But for people who are looking at fr uh, Friday night with no football, just watch the League of Ireland. There's loads of really good young players that come through this league. Mm. We're seeing a big generation or a kind of exciting generation of Irish players at the moment. Evan Ferguson, um, Ob Michael Obafemi, players like that, where it's kind of... There's a bit of promise, and I think what mm -hmm. I like about League Vine is that the average age of the squads in general is quite low because the teams don't have much money. They have to play yeah. their youth their youth product. So I think just a very quick shout-out to give the League of Ireland a watch. Um, and for this weekend, the fixtures, Dundalk have a bit of a gentle start, I'm going to say, as they take on um, UCD, one of the teams expected to struggle this year mm -hmm. but we also have this is all quarter to eight uk time on friday night we have cork city freshly promoted taking on bohemians who i did oh. want to talk about they have just launched an incredible third kit absolutely beautiful and it is in partnership with a foundation based in palestine which is about giving the children the rights to play football Every shirt sold, money goes towards the foundation. Really good cause, really beautiful shirt. So if you're looking to treat yourself to a shirt, after you've bought a Dundalk one, get the Bohemians one. Um, but Cork <laughs> City, so they were kind of surprisingly relegated a few years ago, got themselves back mm. up, and it could be interesting to see how they do against Bohemians. Then there's Shelburne taking on Drogheda United and St. Patrick's Athletic against Derry City, which I'm going to say is the game of the night. Um Two very good teams, and that could be a bit of a feisty one. So, yeah, check out the League yes. of Ireland this weekend if you if you find yourself at a loss on a Friday night. If not, it's just for the shirts, right? I well, think exactly. Bohemians, Bohemians seem to have a record for this, haven't they? They got the Bob Marley shirt, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, well. that was that was Bohemians as well. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful shirt. That, yeah, um, yeah. So that's my tip, and of course, I'm on the town. Come on, Dundalk. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Rory, on the theme of shirts, I had to bring this one up. So for my story of the week so far, um, when I looked at this, when it first came up on my Twitter feed, I had to double check what I was looking at because if listeners don't know, then I implore you to double check on Bari's new edition shirt, which is to commemorate a special celebration. Now, at the time, though, in my head, I wasn't necessarily thinking about this celebration because I was thinking about a certain film and uh, not to spoil it, but um, yeah, themes of human centipedes started going through my head when I saw this. So uh, just to put a bit of context for those that are listening, basically, it was basically blokes or people, shall we say, crawling on hands and knees. Now, yes, when you look at that as a kit, you're kind of thinking... 
what head case has signed this off? But <laughs> the problem is, Bari have a history of doing the human train, as they call it. They allude to it yeah, as the human train. You know, yeah. I forgot about the celebration. The last time I saw it must have been on Nick Hancock's Football Nightmares. I think that was the first time I remember watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since then, obviously, it went to the back of my head because I didn't remember it for such a long time until this glorious shirt is it glorious? I don't know. I don't think it is. It's I'm not something I would be buying. And no. I think I came as a mystery shop kind of buy. I'd be disgusted. I'd probably put on fire basically. <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to wear it. Let's put it that way, Rory. But what, what did you think of that pleasant edition from Bari? Yeah, I think they've done some really cool limited edition shirts. They did one last year, which was because octopus is like a big thing in Bari. Like they all yeah. eat octopus and it was the octopus kind of print. On the yeah, shirt just... looked really sick, and it had Labari on the front rather than it, mm. grammatically it should be Ilbari, but they say <laughs> Labari, so it had Labari on the front. Um, and it was a really cool shirt. And then I saw the thing of like more Bari limited edition shirts. I was like, oh, can't wait to see this. And you're right, the first thing I was like, that does look like the human centipede. <laughs> yeah. I was aware of the celebration, so it's called yeah Il Trenino, the little train, and it was from yeah. when they scored, they beat Inter. Um, it was when Cassano scored that unbelievable goal, his first goal in Serie A. It was against Inter. Of course, it was against Inter. Of course, Inter lost to them. <laughs> but they did that celebration in that game. And it's kind of it's become a kind of club tradition. I think they did it when they got promoted from Serie B from Serie C last year. Yeah. I think it's become like a club thing. But yeah, without intimately knowing the history of Bari and the Bari like club. Yeah. I think you would be going, what the heck is that? Talking about, like, is, are, they, are they getting sponsored to do this? Like, is there a fourth film coming out? What the hell is this about? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, maybe try again for next season, Barry. But if anybody has an octopus, one of the octopus shirts, I'm definitely in the market for one because they were very hard to get hold of. They were beautiful. Um, nice. Good, Adam. We've done a bit of a roundup, but we've not even we talked about what we're going to talk about today. Um, so mm. this show is kind of jam-packed. We're, we are, of course, going to talk about Arsenal at Manchester City. I'm going to try to be as objective slash optimistic as possible. Um, it's very, very difficult. We are, of course, going to talk about the Champions League. We're going to talk about Chelsea continuing not to score. Mm. We're going to talk about Bayern and yes. Sergio Ramos pushing journalists and being a general <laughs> bellend. Um, Benfica stopping Scott Parker. I forgot Scott Parker yeah, was a Champions League manager. Exactly. I completely forgot that. Um, and then we're going to do a little bit of Europa League and Conference League as well. Mm. Guys, we're going to take a very quick break and we will see you after this. And here we are. It's time for the Euro review and we are going to talk about... We have to start somewhere and we're going to start with Man City 3, Arsenal 1 or Arsenal 1, Man City 3 for you traditionalists. Oh, God, it was horrible. Um, I finished work at half past eight in Italy, which right. is exactly when the game kicked off. So it was it was a lesson with my, like, it was an adult class, right? And a lot of them are Milan fans. And as the lesson was getting on, I think I was getting more visibly nervous and getting right. a bit more, like, a bit quieter, a bit tenser. Mm. And um, one of my students was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And I was like, while they were doing work, I was obviously just, like, staring into space. And he was like... <laughs> Arsenal playing tonight, where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous now. And then I ran home. I got home just in time for the end 
of All the right. first half. So okay. I saw Tommy Yasu's mistake on the Metro um, mm. and tried not to scream out in anger. <laughs> and then I got in the door as Bikai Osaka was taking the penalty. Um, and then the second half was horrible. But I'm gonna we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna look at it from an Arsenal point of view and then from a City point of view and kind mm-hmm. of see where it went wrong for Arsenal. People the whole season have said if they lose Gabriel Jesus and Partey, they're in trouble. Well, it turns mm-hmm. out <laughs> they 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 manifested it into yeah. into reality. And yeah, uh, it turns out you were pretty right. I was glad to see us without Partey because. I want to see us without Partey on a long-term mm-hmm. basis. Um, Jorginho was fantastic. I thought he had such a good game. I really mm. was like, oh, this is exactly the player we need. This is because if you think about it, before we bought him, it would have been Sambi Laconga in midfield. And while, sure. he's, yeah. while he's a young, promising player, that game is completely different with Sambi mm. Laconga in midfield. I think there's a few more goals stuck in. So I think Jorginho was fantastic. But it was really was levels. It was just, mm, yeah. damn, we are so close, but just not close enough. I think with Gabriel Jesus and with Partey, that game's completely different. Um, and what we saw was a team who's been there five, six times before against a team yeah. who's there for the first time. And I know it's like, it's becoming a bit of a meme now for Arsenal fans to go on about the youth of the team and the inexperience of the team. But it, mm. it, it is facts. Like, that's what yeah. it is. And like, whereas when the moments that did drop to City they were able to just take the chances. We didn't take those chances. I think overall, it was a fairly even game. I don't think we were outplayed. I don't think, like, a City had their lowest possession stats, had their most missed yeah. passes, had their least chances created. I think our press was really good. We, like, really restricted them for what they, from what they wanted to do. But we gifted them all three goals. Yeah. Like, all three goals yeah. were, were our fault. So, like, mm-hmm. Tommy Asu... He's been incredible every time he's played for us. The first oh, mistake, yeah. the first mistake he's made for us, and it's yeah. against Man City. Fine. Mm-hmm. What I did like was how the Arsenal, how the Arsenal fans responded. Yeah. Um, sang his name, Zinchenko going straight over to him, and then the second and third goal were just in quick succession. Yeah. The second one really annoyed me because we just got dragged over to one side yeah, of the field, exactly. and when that that knockback from Gundogan. Mm-hmm. I was just, you could see it from a mile off. And I was like, yeah. again, Tommy Asu tries to block it, but that deflection takes it past Ramsdale. I mm. think without that, I think Ramsdale gets it. And then the third one was just a beautiful goal from City. I think defensively, we could have been better, but their mm. their passing and the speed of it, it was just a really, a very, very yeah. good goal. And you have to hold your hands up and go, ah, damn it, they're just better than us. <laughs> like, they're just yeah, better than us. Um, what did you think of Arsenal before we go to City? I think it was, I think his problem is it's kind of built up over time, hasn't it? Last few results haven't necessarily gone your way. And it just felt like it was, as you allude to, just a series of mistakes that really was the difference on the day. I I wonder if Arteta should have made changes sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's the only criticism that maybe I would have had. Because ultimately what Man City did was a professional job. They obviously had the least amount of possession. I think it alludes to your comments last week when we were talking about Brentford match. You know you're champions when you can grind out results and not necessarily play the best. And that's what Man City did. They didn't necessarily play at the best. I thought Jack Grealish had a very good game. Um, He was in particular a real standout for City. 
Um, but apart from that, I just think they were just more streetwise. Probably mm-hmm. just they they've they've been used to that kind of occasions a bit more regularly than say those Arsenal players. And I think it was really telling on the night. Odegaard seemed really quiet again. He um, did not have a good game. No. He did not. I think the two captains, like between De Bruyne and Odegaard, was a really big. That that was like a really good way to measure it. Of like De Bruyne mm. took the chance when it came to him, was fundamental in that game, was like instrumental in that game. And Erdogan just couldn't find his flow at all. And I think Xhaka also. There was a moment where he was through on goal, but pretty pretty much, and he just didn't shoot. And every other game, every other game, he shoots, he hits that. Mm. And I just feel like there was this mental block with some of our players. Like it really felt like yeah. And I wonder as well, like, uh, I think at the time I was still feeling that Arsenal needed to reinforce up top, like as much as Jorginho is a very good uh, midfielder to have, I think you started to see the difference between Enketia and someone that would have been like a Gabriel Jesus, for example, who would have just added that bit more quality. It's a struggle to kind of say who you could have brought in in that window, to be honest, and who could have given you that spark. But you don't get those kind of, windows where you can go, kind of go and get a Yari Littmanen who just sits yeah, on the yeah. bench and can be just class, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They don't exist anymore, unfortunately. But, I mean, if you could have gone out into the marketplace and got someone of that quality, then, boy, could you have done something in this match? I think that was the real telltale sign. Yeah, I think in Ketia, it's a difficult one because he's been so good for us. He's been so good mm. for us and he scored a lot of goals for like people, like people yeah. chasing him out of the club in the summer and he's been so good. And But he just, we do lack that. What we miss is that the partnership between Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus is incredible because since yeah. Nketiah has come in, Martinelli has been quieter. Yes. And I think, yeah, the off the ball stuff, the non-scoring things that Jesus does is what gets us more goals, weirdly, because he's able to build and drop deep and that relationship yeah, with everyone yeah. else. And Ketia is still learning how to do that because he, mm. he is very much or was very much a six-yard box striker. And now they're trying to like, and you can see he's bulking up and he's got better. He can do the play in and like, you know, bring people into play, but he's still not as good at it as no. as Gabriel Jesus. And that's not his fault. Gabriel Jesus no. is an incredible, incredible player, right? But I just think like, yeah, it was just that, slight level just that slight level off because we had two mm. chances where Nketiah could have slash should have scored should I think have, the header yeah. in particular I was like that's got to be put away um but I'm not all doom and gloom like I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans I'm really not I know that like <laughs> I really I really want us to win the league right it's definitely not over I really want us to no. win it but I have to just keep reminding myself that before if someone had said to me the the day before the season kicked off, it mm. will be February the 16th and you will be level with City on points with a game in hand top, would you take it? I would have bitten your hand off. Of course, so I think so. you have like you have to just look back and go, this is still overachieving. This is still a very good season. Of course it is, yeah. Like, and it's still not over. So I think it's a the, the key thing is is that we get a win on Saturday. The only issue is it's Unai Emery and it's the early kickoff. So we're <laughs> yeah, definitely exactly. going to fucking lose it, right? Um, I can see that already, but it's vital, vital we get a win. But for City, mm. I think just very impressive. I'm glad you shouted out Jack Grealish. I think Guardiola is starting to get a bit more end product out of him. His yes. ability to keep hold of the ball and just buy that space, that press resistance, right? Mm. To get himself space, keep position, just 
or keep possession, keep juggling the ball between his feet. He's just impossible to win the ball off. And when you do tackle him, he always gets a free kick, like every yeah. single time. I thought he was fantastic. Um, a player that changed the game, Akanji. Yeah. Like, he is a centre-back that nobody thought, like Dortmund fans were confused as to why City had come in and bought him. He's arguably mm. been one of the best signings in the Premier League this yeah. year for what he's done at City, for how for steady he's, he's been. Right. Mm. And just, he's just no mistakes. He's just a steady, solid ball playing defender who can do a job. And in a game like that, where Guardiola knew that we were trying to get past the wing backs and he had that back three, and exactly. Bernardo Silva was very close to getting sent off. So he, he couldn't really rely on him that much to just then drop to a back four and bring a Kanji on, put Ake mm. at left back, which is weirdly working really well. I didn't yes. see Ake as a left back. And that, honestly, that substitution at the time, I was like, he's taking off Mares for a defender. Like, okay, he just wants to see this game out. And then, no, that move basically opens up the attack and completely nullifies Mm. Arsenal. I think it's just, again, the youngest manager in the league, Arteta, I'm pretty sure, coming Mm. up against a manager who's been there a million times. And I think it's just... You can just see the the differences the difference, in, the, uh, yeah. in in the in the journey and how far yes. we've gone. Um, but for Man City, absolutely ruthless. Haaland, great finish. I really, really hoped he wasn't going to score, but <laughs> yeah. only some we're the first top sixteen that he scored against away. So of course we are. Um, and yeah, City were just really, really impressive. What did you think of City? I think it just alludes to the point that they were just more streetwise than Arsenal on this occasion. Unfortunately, it was. Just the fact that you had those experienced heads. And as you allude to, Haaland was kind of 50-50 for this match. So the fact that he turned out and did that performance as well, I think that was incredible. Um, but yeah, just to your point, Akanji's been incredible. Um, the fact that they got Diaz coming back as well. So obviously he had a very good game on Sunday's match against Villa. Um it just goes to show you the depth that they've got. It's mm. incredible when you think about it. But the one crumb of comfort that I would say to Arsenal fans right now is Man City are still chasing a Champions League. They're still mm. in the FA Cup as well. So this is Guardiola's obsession. He wants to be in these cup competitions. And at some point, there's going to be a point where they will go through a tough run as well themselves, where they'll be back-to-back. So I think the fact that Arsenal are level pegging and I know there's um, kind of shouts from their rivals Manchester United at the moment who are kind of on their back saying you know we're going to get second place now well it only takes one more injury for Man United and then we'll see them potentially suffering as well so I think it's going to be a lot more twist and turn shall we say in this kind of title race and I don't think it's concluded by this kind of weekend but yes it was probably not a welcome defeat for Arsenal fans, right? <laughs> it was so That's horrible. It was so horrible. Just afterwards, I just felt so deflated. I was just, oh, God. But I do have yeah. to say, no United fan can ever, ever come to me saying the Manchester Derby is the best one in the country. <laughs> I have seen so many United fans delighted that City won because Arsenal lost. I know, so right. we can really see who United care more about, right? I think it's yes. blatantly clear for everybody to see. There is under no circumstance would I be celebrating Tottenham going top of the Premier League. There is no circumstance where that would happen. I find no. it really, really bizarre. Like it, And it's been 
everywhere. I just find it really odd because yes, yeah. no way am I going to be celebrating any success for that lot over the other side. So I think really weird flex. Um, maybe it's just no, they just know they're not going to catch Man City. Maybe that's what it <laughs> yeah. is. I don't know, but it's, there's been a few, yeah, a few weird takes from United fans at the moment. Honestly, I'm kind of worried they could finish second above us, but. If you finish second or third, it doesn't really make much difference. I would like to finish second if, you know, we can't finish first. But our, mm. our focus was Champions League. And at the moment, we're still able to get it. So let's just do yeah. that. <laughs> and then wherever <laughs> we end up, we end up. I don't know. I just, I'm yeah. Oh, God, the hope kill. It's the hope that kills you, Adam. It it's is. the hope it is. that kills you. God, I hate football. <laughs> but we need to move on from the Premier League. And we need mm-hmm. to go over to the Champions League, and we're going to start with Tottenham as they go to the San Siro and Milan return to winning ways. Well, continue winning ways. The first um, UCL knockout goal for seven years um, in the San Siro for Brahim Diaz. And I have to say, I felt very sorry for Forster. Um, he made two yeah. incredible saves, but none of his defenders fancied giving him a hand. No. Like, what did you make of that? Uh, yeah, like you say, Tottenham were really poor in this particular match. I thought, even though they kind of had the better of the chances in the second half, they still didn't look like they were going to score. Um, mm. And it's weird because even Kane hit the crossbar, if you remember, in this match. So it's just a weird performance. You've got two sides, as we alluded to on Monday, where... You just didn't know which way it was going to go because both sides haven't been in the best of form. But, um, you know, AC Milan with that particular goal just seemed to be growing in confidence. And they knew they were going to shut up shop. It just felt like they just knew as soon as they got the goal, that was it. And it was, it's not necessarily a good lead to take to Spurs, you would say, on the hindsight of it. But it does give Milan a bit more confidence because I think they'll use this to kind of build a momentum going forward. I think you'll have some players returning into the squad as well. It's not like they didn't have a very good squad anyway against Spurs, but Spurs looked poor. I I don't know if you felt the same way, but I didn't feel like they were particularly that amazing. What was your initial thoughts anyway? Um, yeah, I feel like they didn't really offer that much. I think Bentancur is going to be a huge miss for them. I think mm. he's going to be like, he's a player that's not like, obviously I don't watch a lot of Tottenham, right? I try when, when possible, I try not to watch yeah. them. But right. I think from Tottenham fans of Tottenham friends of mine, they've talked about how big a difference he's made in the midfield, how good he's yeah. been for them. Him mm-hmm. being out for the season is a huge thing. This uh, player saw that I've seen, I've not yeah. really been massively impressed by him. And I don't know if he's going to be able to fill that kind of creative dynamic hold that kind of Benton Kerr is going to leave. What I felt was, yeah, ultimately Spurs didn't really create a lot. I think Tatra mm. Sardou made some great saves. Did, yeah. Um, yeah. It was I felt both the goalkeepers in this game, it wasn't much technique, but they managed to keep it out of the net. <laughs> like, very true. It was just very a bit true. like jazz goalkeeping, like free-form <laughs> goalkeeping. It was a bit weird, but Tatrasana made some good saves. I think, yeah, Spurs didn't create much. It's kind of weird what's going on there, because I think Conte, he's going through all sorts of problems. He's had a very rough year in terms of like personal relationships yeah, and health, and I feel like there's a lot of things going on in the background there that are not helping and we all hope that Antonio gets through all of those things. Right. Um, 
But I think I feel like it, it, it just doesn't feel quite right at Tottenham at the minute. There's something just mm. not there. I think for Milan, they're going to regret missing those chances at the end. There were mm-hmm. so many chances where I think De Ketelera, at this point, I just feel a little bit sorry for him because yeah. I think he's a player who's got so much promise and he's like really technically fantastic, but you can just see the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And we've talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He needs a loan somewhere. He needs yeah. a change of scenery. Let him <laughs> develop somewhere where there isn't this huge media telescope on him. Yeah. And when you are the attacking outlet for a team, mm-hmm. like you're the creative outlet, I feel like exactly. he doesn't need that pressure. When he missed that head, I was like, ah, oh, God, like <laughs> yeah. it just... That's the last thing you need. And then even, now I don't know how to say his name, Thior? Thior? Malik Thior, yeah. Been unbelievable since he's come incredible. into Milan. Yeah. Been incredible. But he also had a header that he should have scored. Yes. And I think uh, Olivier Giroud could have believed it went wide. So I think, <laughs> and then the layout chance at the end with the horrible first touch where mm. it just kind of goes straight to Forster. And you think, I just, come on, you're, you're better than that. Like, yeah, And I think Milan could regret not scoring more than one goal because I feel like going to mm-hmm. Tottenham even if everything isn't quite right at Tottenham at the minute they're more than capable of turning a team over on their night at home yes. like yeah. they've beaten City at home right they've like they are good at home except against Arsenal um and so I think <laughs> they are like Milan are definitely able to kind of lose this one so I think they're going to regret not mm-hmm. scoring more what did you like who were the standout players for you across this game um, I, I was impressed by uh, Kulisevsky because he did do a through ball occasionally okay. through. I thought he, although he wasn't really overall, I thought he had a good kind of intention, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, then I think Tonali had a good game yeah. for Milan. I thought he was very good. Um, Diaz, as we mentioned, Kalulu was quite solid. Um, per- Perisic? Perhaps from a Spurs perspective, I think he was back on old stamping ground as well. So that probably helps. He knew the surface, etc. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there wasn't really anyone that stood out as such. I think you've already called out Malik Tiao, who I think is just growing with every game yeah. at the moment. So I, I, now that you've mentioned about the fact that, you know, Milan should have taken those chances, I do wonder this is the kind of game where you want pacey players to just mm. counter attack, don't you really? And I'm looking at that bench and at Milan, for example, there's no way Zlatan's going to run and just do like those kind of, kind of counter attacking runs. So I think they're going to potentially struggle. But that said, when you've got a defence of Dyer, Davies, Lengley, I mean, it, it's, it's to be got at, isn't it? That's the to, thing. They need to talk about Romero as well. I, Yes, of course. Yeah, he, he's that challenge. Confusing <laughs> player in Serie A. He was fantastic. He was like yeah. at Atalanta. He got Defender of the Year. He was unbelievable. He seemed like he always had a bit of an edge, right? He was yeah, always of course, like, yeah, hot head, He was right? an Argentinian centre back, what you expect, <laughs> but it seems like he's just wild now. Mm. I don't know if like Conte is able to discipline or to teach discipline to players but it feels like he's really he's a lot more unpredictable than he was at Atalanta mm. unless I'm looking at it in through rose tinted spectacles but I think yeah he just seems really quick to fly off the handle and that tackle was like now I think Tonali mm. made a lot of it 
I think Tanal, they did make a lot of it, but that was a bloody wild tackle. And this is it like, he, he tends to do it in big games. I don't know if he just, Argentina kind of got away with it, eh? <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. I think they just seem to get the best out of him because he doesn't yeah, seem yeah. to do those, those kind of tackles, does he? Um, but yeah, I think it's he just seems to just have like a moment, doesn't he? Just like mm. something goes wrong in his head and he has to just fly at like yeah. players. And I just... He is a bit suspect at times. It almost feels like you might want to drop him just to get him mm. to basically understand that you can't keep on doing these kind of things through he matches. Got, is he suspended at the minute in the Premier League? He got sent off recently, didn't he? Uh, I don't I feel know, like it actually, wasn't too long ago. I'd have to double check. Yeah. But I feel like he's he has been sent off and I feel like it's a kind of... There's a bit of a trend emerging. I'm not sure. Mm. But Milan get the win. Pioli will be very, very, very happy about that. The atmosphere at the San Siro looked unbelievable. Oh, yes. The choreography at the beginning, the yeah. whole sides, that was like, that was, that was incredible. Incredible. Like, oh, European nights at the San Siro. I'm going to be at Interporto. Yes. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, yeah, the atmosphere just looked sick. It got me so excited for next week. Mm. Um but we do need to move on from uh, Tottenham getting battered everywhere they go. And we need <laughs> to go to Sergio Ramos being a bell end, but PSG <laughs> losing. Um, Adam, take us through this game. What were your takeaways from this? Takeaways from this particular match was that Pavard seemed to be on a mission to get himself sent off, um, which he then did. Um, but apart from that, <laughs> it was the fact that. PSG weren't necessarily bad, but they weren't particularly good. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they had Mbappe off the bench as well because he complained that he had got an injury at Montpellier. And he admitted uh, just yesterday that he shouldn't have been playing, basically. So that was very strange for him to even come out of that. So it makes me wonder who was the decision maker in terms of letting him play in this particular match because he had one particular chance where he didn't have a great chance. Um, he mm. didn't have great control and he kind of smacked it against Yon Summer. And the only reason why I picked that out because it was on my Twitter line, someone went, oh, amazing goalkeeping by an underrated stopper. And I was thinking, yeah, Jan Summer is an underrated goalkeeper, but that was smacks at him. It I doesn't mean everything he does is therefore fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, Messi had a chance. Mm -hmm. It was just a solid performance from Bayern, I thought. And that was the interesting bit about this whole kind of performance. Because I think if you look at how Bayern have been in the league, in the Bundesliga, they haven't been great in particular. Mm -hmm. But likewise... PSG have been poor. Um, yeah. I think it is something like they've only won four of the last 10 games at the moment. Wow. That included a defeat against Marseille in the Coupe de France as yes. well. So it's not looking great for Gautier and there's a lot of calls for him to be moved on already, even though he is that pragmatic Frenchman that seems to get results in that league. But it's PSG. It's another circus, yeah. unfortunately. That's the problem. And there's rumours already, apparently, Neymar and Messi will be leaving at the end of the season, which I could see happening, potentially. I think there's already cries about Messi potentially only playing to the end of his contract and mm -hmm. then potentially going somewhere else. So, um, but yeah, what about you? What did you make of this whole matchup? Because, um, yeah, I haven't really explained about much of the action because... The only thing that I can really call out really was Kingsley Coleman somehow scoring past Donnarumma. I don't know how he let oh, it through from one angle. Cool. It was so yeah. cool. 
really i was looking at it i was like am i being harsh i was like no he's got to stop that he's got it's gone right under his armpit like you'd expect donnarumma to save that and i think him and jan sommer did make some good saves i think donnarumma made some good saves throughout the game it's just that one moment he should have done better definitely i feel like it was you're right it's two teams that aren't quite where they were a year ago like not Mm. at those like high high levels i think gaultier i really like like yeah. I love him as a coach. He did amazing. Like obviously, one league going with Leo, right? <laughs> like he's done but, all right. Yeah. I feel like he's a very, very good manager. He's one of the most exciting, if not the the most exciting French manager at the moment. Um, and I think, but when he took the PSG job, I was like, uh, this is gonna be like kind of like Graham Potter taking the Chelsea job, right? Mm. Where I was like this could eat you up alive because they are not going to give you the time and patience that you need for the system that he built at Lille. The whole team was crafted in his image, right? And it was all Mm. like, you know, exactly how he wanted it. And at PSG, it's like, no, you need to fit these world-class players and make them play and you figure it out, right? And I feel like it's a job that's very, very much um, able to kind of see him off but the thing is they're still five points clear right like everyone's talking like they're having the worst season in the world they're still you know doing all right i just Mm. think um maybe psg are just not that patient in general but i think yeah two teams that aren't weren't quite where they were um but Bayern, just i don't know a bit more yeah clinical a bit more ruthless a bit calmer i feel like their performance was a bit calmer a bit more assured whereas psg obviously once you're one nil down, you do start to panic a bit. But I feel like Bayern at no point really panicked. Um, mm. And that club just gives off. Like, I think if you look at the clubs, Bayern gives off that air all the time. That it's just never a panic, never a fluster. Everything's fine. Whereas PSG is like the polar opposite. <laughs> and everything, it always kind of seems like on the brink of meltdown. So I think kind of like Bayern just kind of Bayern's their way through it. And PSG, mm. psg their way through it. And that's what happened. I think... Like it'll be interesting to see PSG go to Munich now because I can't see yeah. them getting anything there. I'll be honest. Um, I, I can't, but I'm, equally, I'm looking forward to that matchup as yes. well because I think it will be quite end to end potentially mm-hmm. in this match. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, well, that's it. PSG have got to come out now, right? And Bayern won't be able to just sit back and absorb it. So I think it exactly. is going to be an interesting game. I just can't see PSG getting anything in Munich. I just mm. teams don't do yeah. well in Munich apart from. Bayern, right? Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, that could be a difficult one. Sergio Ramos very quickly pushing a uh, photographer. Oh, fuck's he, sake. I understand, yeah. I understand that the guy, like, it, uh, the photographer, he does have a huge zoom and you can avoid that man right in front of you, but there's no need to just shove him so hard. I just thought, fuck's sake, Ramos. Like, just, he's such a prick, isn't he? I'm sure he's lovely <laughs> off the pitch, but he's such a prick. Um, I was just rolled my eyes when I saw it and thought, God, don't ever get close to him on the Metro or something. You'll end up on a <laughs> bloody line. He'll just push you into the fucking thing. Um, yeah, yeah, so there you go. That's some cutting-edge analysis for you. Uh, Sergio Ramos <laughs> is a bit of a bell end. Um, we do need to move on to the next game. We're going to stay in Germany, kind mm-hmm. of, even though we weren't in Germany. And we're going to go to... FM Wonder Kid, Karim Adeyemi, with the coldest finish against Chelsea. Adam, for people on the podcast, repping the a beautiful uh, Dortmund shirt there, yeah, third kit. Yeah. Big fan of that one. Marco Royce um, in the back as well. Nice, classic. Um, Adeyemi, super cold finish. Super, mm. super cold finish. Yeah. Managed to take it around Kepa. Calm as you like. 
yes. another stadium where the atmosphere looked unbelievable. I was like, it honestly, does, it's yeah. bucket list level stuff to go and watch a game <laughs> yes. at, at, at the uh, West Farm Stadium. That looks unbelievable. Chelsea, I felt... Well, no, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> guess what? We've been saying it forever. Adam, what do they need? Uh, not another midfielder. Definitely yeah, not, not another, another midfielder. midfielder. What but do they, they do need, need a learn? striker. They need what? a striker. Yeah. Someone that can actually tuck away chances, like something that wouldn't go to Kai Havertz. Let's put it that mm. way. It was... Oh, Which these guys are like, so what do they need to learn? Kai Havertz isn't a striker. <laughs> like he's None of the striker. ones that they play in that like role can score. Even Jao Felix had a handful of chances. Yeah. He should have done better. Unfortunately, he just hasn't got the composure or the mm. same level of composure. Um, it was interesting because obviously I thought they played quite well despite yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they played really they played well. Really and they were very like dangerous from set pieces. Reese James obviously thought he'd scored. Unfortunately, it was ruled out as well. So it was just unfortunate. However, Schlotterbeck as well was incredible. I know yeah. he's got a, a terrible record for the German national side, especially <laughs> when it comes to conceding penalties. But in that two first two minutes, he had to make an incredible like challenge on Mudrik to stop him from potentially either squaring it or scoring himself. And he times it with perfection, which is the Schlotterbeck that we know of mm -hmm. that performed at SC Freiburg last season yeah. and got him to that position in Dortmund. But Edin Terzic is someone that's going a bit under the radar. I know he's been previously in a role as a caretaker manager at Dortmund. He's getting it now. I was probably taking him the best part of six months. I think he's got the credentials to potentially push on and maybe push on in the championship in the Bundesliga because obviously we've spoken about Bayern being quite poor. Union Berlin are doing fantastically well, which I'm sure we'll mention. But in this match, it seemed like they absorbed a lot of the pressure. They did counter-attack as well. They gave Chelsea a bit of a fright. And as you rightly allude to, Adiemi scoring that wonder goal, he obviously just counter-attacks, essentially. Enzo Fernandez doesn't know what to do. Um, he's trying to distract him. And he just walks past Asper Lekelega and just slots it nicely home. And that was pretty much the summary of this match because... Otherwise, you know, it's going to be an interesting second leg, but I don't think Chelsea are going to put any chances away. That I don't know. What do you feel? Um, I feel like Dortmund can still be Dortmund, and like that's <laughs> like I feel like if any team is going to go away with a lead and come back without that lead, it's going to be Dortmund. I feel like they're just so hot and cold all the bloody time that like I feel like Chelsea will be looking back and going, okay we were the better team. Like mm -hmm. we created more chances on another day. We win that fairly comfortably. We do that again. We're through like, and I think Chelsea can be quite calm about it. The only thing is, I don't know if the play, I don't know what's going on with Potter. It just feels like he's, he's coaching. I think he's doing everything right, but then on the pitch, it's just not getting there because the play, mm -hmm. he cannot kick, he cannot put the ball in the back of the net for the players. He can't do it himself. No. Like a lot of those chances should have been put away. So I just, I wonder where the issue is now, but I, it just, again, kind of like with Tottenham, it just feels like there's just something not right there at the minute. So Dortmund can definitely be hopeful, but I think Chelsea mm -hmm. can be feeling confident going into this that they can score two and not concede.
I was going to say, though, did you see the press conference afterwards as well? He seems to be getting a little bit rattled by the constant questioning of his style, the fact that he's not reacting. And that, to a degree, I would just park that to the side and say, mm-hmm. not all managers have to be intense in these kind of no. environments no. when they're giving answers. It doesn't mean they're not committed to the cause. It's just his style, right? He prefers not to allay the kind of emotions that maybe these journalists expect. But at the same time, you did see there's a little kind of murmur that keeps seems to be swelling a bit in his mind, perhaps, and it's overriding what's going on and the more he's getting questioned the more he's going to start getting a bit rattled if it just you saw a glimmer of it coming out right i think it's but i would if someone was like questioning my managerial decisions i go okay yeah right in the 70th minute i shouldn't have taken him off and i question my tactical decisions but start picking character flaws as you see them and that's personal and it's needless i also think like have you seen a press conference with Carlo Ancelotti where he's ever lost his mind? No. Have you seen no, a press conference not. with like, I don't know, well, Wenger did a little bit, but like, I don't know, there's plenty <laughs> of managers that don't go mental. There's plenty of managers that do That's are it. just like placid and like, look, I have to talk to you people. I don't want to talk to you people. I'll get it done, I'll give you your answers, and I'll sod off home. And I think that's absolutely fair. I think Graham Potter is getting a line of questioning that no other manager gets. Like, the other end of it, you got Arteta, because he takes it too far, getting criticised. And this is what the point that Potter was saying, is like, you're telling me that I need, I'm not animated enough, but then you're publishing stories about managers getting angry, and you're publishing stories about referees mm-hmm. being abused at grassroots football. Like, can you not see the two are, two are linked? Correct. Like, and he's he's answering in a very nuanced and intelligent and calm way, which isn't what the tabloids like the fucking Sun and the Mail want. Right? They want no, you know so. someone screaming and swearing. They want Jose Mourinho, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think what Graham Potter is doing is he's handling it very well. And I think if he loses his temper, he is fully mm. within his right to, because no other manager in the league is having their character uh, questioned. And like yeah. your personality, yeah. your who you are is not suitable for the job. Not like you're not qualified. No, you're not yeah, good yeah. enough. It's you as a person don't fit what we think is a Premier League manager. Well, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like you, you, you sit here then, if you know what I mean? I just think when you're getting character uh character judgments is it's yeah, yeah. really unfair yeah no i was definitely kind of alluding more to that side if it didn't come yeah. across that way because i think he is that style of manager he's not necessarily going to be a jose Mourinho that kind of deflects and says it's all about him but i think i do worry whether that's almost like getting to a point where he's just getting frustrated with these line of questioning, the line of like integrity around his it's like over and over again over, as well, over and much. over again. And I think it's it just, much. it just seems really unfair. And this is like, we've said it before. If he gets mm. sacked, it will be the papers that get him sacked. And this is part of it. This is all mm. the start of it. If yeah. he gets sacked, it'll be the papers that do it. And I think they're, they're gunning for him. And I, I hope he gets through it because yes. I like him as a coach. I really like yes. him as a coach and as a manager. Um, but for Chelsea, they have to go back to Stamford Bridge. They'll be feeling confident. Dortmund, don't fuck this up, Dortmund. Just do not <laughs> fuck it up. That's just one thing. You've got one job. And then lastly, mm-hmm. um, I completely forgot until I sat down to watch the highlights <laughs> today. Scott Parker, Champions League 
manager. Um, mm. Didn't get off to the best start, um, fair to say. The, the centre-back who gave away the mistake for the second goal, seeing his visible frustration was pretty yes. rough to watch. But for Benfica, very efficient. I think they would have been quite happy getting that draw when it came through. Sorry, Bruges fans. Yeah. Um, but what did you make of this game? And can Bruges drag it back in Lisbon? I think it's very tough for them to bring it back, especially as they go to Benfica, which is a bit of a fortress for Benfica. They seem to pull it out of the bag when it comes to these nights. You've got experienced players like, obviously, Otamendi at the back as well. So I think that plays a huge part. Um, they've been quite solid as well this season, just in general. Um, but there was some glimmers, you know, there were some glimmers, you know, it's not like... Club Bruges are a bad side. They've no, got an no. interesting forwards like in Neo Liang, for example. And that centre back that you alluded to was Jack Hendry, who was on loan at Cremonese, being brought back Damn. in by Scott Parker. And unfortunately, he had that moment. So, yes, not great for him, but I'm sure he'll learn from this experience. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. Um, and it's unfortunate because they had Dennis Odoi, who was formerly of Fulham, score a goal, but it was adjust offside unfortunately and then you obviously saw a split minute later Benfica are at the other end scoring and unfortunately that's the moral of the story and uh, David Neres as well for the second one was incredible as well so I mean this is the thing it's going to be tough when you look at the quality Benfica have at the disposal I think it's pretty much foregone conclusion and I think Scott Parker would just concentrate on what he can do with that squad um, I just feel it's a bit weird that Scott Parker is a Champions League manager. How did he get there from sunny Bournemouth to there? Um, he's massively done well for himself, I suppose. Um, not to say he's a bad manager, but um, yeah, I do feel sorry for the previous manager, Carl Hopkins, who was only judged to have not pleased the chairman at the time, mm -hmm. despite the results that he pulled off in those early stages of the Champions League as well. Um, what, what about you? What do you think? Do you think they stand a chance? No, I think in, in no, no. Uh, in one word, no. I think Lisbon is a hell of a place to go to, and I think yeah, it was a exactly. fairly sizable gap in quality. Mm. I did also want to very quickly point out into legends Raul Mario getting oh, another course. goal. Yes. He's now got 12 goals and four assists in 19 games for sport in Lisbon. He, of course, scored against Milan, I think, in the group stage. I feel like he got revenge on Milan in the group stage. Um, so, yeah, a very, very good to see him. I saw him playing for Inter and he was very, very underwhelming. So it's good to see him doing well somewhere <laughs> yes. else. Uh, good on you, Joao. Um, but we do need to move on from the Champions League now. And we're going to go to... The Europa League, the cool kids club, <laughs> is where everyone loves to be. And we've got What's the teams from the Champions League down and the teams that finish second mm -hmm. facing off against each other. And just as we speak, the game has finished an hour or so ago as Manchester United 2, Barcelona 2. Andy mm -hmm. was right. It does feel like a Champions League game. I think the Europa League is <laughs> just fair. getting better and better. Um, but 2-2. Two, two. And of course... Rashford scores again. Um, mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Running out of words to describe that guy. Um, the season he's having, what Ten Hag is managing to get out of him. But I think what we did see is that Barcelona are not here to mess around either. I think no. even though everything in the background is a bit of a shit show, 
Xavi has got them doing pretty well. It's only they're still top of La Liga, right? They are. They're still top yeah. of La Liga as it currently stands with Robert Lewandowski up top as well. So we always forget about that. But and that's a club in crisis, spot. apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah clearly, <laughs> clearly. But it's interesting, Rory, as we talk about Barcelona, there's a little bit of a scandal going on in La Liga about Bartomeu and the fact that yeah. he has been linked with paying the referees league association in Spain during his spell. Um, it's due to some funds that went into the head of the association's company. So a company that he owns. And that his wife owns saying, or something. saying right? it's nothing linked to yeah. refereeing or anything like that. Um, Registered in his dog's name like Harry Redknapp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. So, um, yes, there's more going on in the background of Laporta denying that he knows anything about it. But, yeah, the murky depths of Barcelona seem to be coming out a bit more as well. Love it. It's a never-ending soap opera. But for United, they now get to take yes. them back to Salford. Do you think <laughs> Do you think United see this through or do you think Barcelona I, knock I them out? I really don't know. I, I just think it, it almost feels like there's vibes of Lewandowski scoring a goal. Like, But then again, Man United have been great at home as well. They have the moments. So... It'll be intriguing, let's put it that way. Uh, the fact that it's a tie kind of shows you how close it is at the moment. I don't think it's that far in terms of like conclusions, shall we say. I think mm-hmm. it's still going to be open. Dare I say it, could it go all the way to like extra time and then maybe pens? That could be oh, fascinating. We need, that, we need that box office. Yeah. We need that box office elsewhere to keep it Anglo-Italian. Roma lost away to Salzburg <laughs> 1-0. Uh, Nicholas Capaldo in the 88th minute. Mm. Roma managed to have three shots on target, 10 shots in general. Salzburg didn't really offer much more, but they did get the all-important goal. How do we feel about this one? Roma in Rome for the second leg. It sounds like a Mourinho tie, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because they're one, one goal down. They'll kind of feel optimistic the fact that the first leg was down there as opposed to being in Rome. I think if it was Rome, then I think they'd be a bit more fearful. Um, but yeah, it could go either way, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it, I, uh, for me, I think Jose won't be looking at this too badly. I think he will probably look at this and go, one goal, there's nothing in it. This tie is still open. So let's see what happens in the second leg, Rory. We shall see. For the hipster's mm-hmm. choice that I made, it of course finished yeah, nil-nil yeah. between Ajax and Union it's Berlin. Um, Ajax, not a single shot on target. Um, <laughs> and Union Berlin, I think, probably did enough to win the game, but were unable to convert the chances. Uh, mm. Shakhtar Donetsk beating Ren 2-1, scoring in the 11th and 45th mm-hmm. minute. Really loving that Donetsk, it doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing, what's going on, they just oh. deliver the goods. They're always just absolute quality. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful that they're being able to do it still in Warsaw at the moment as well. So fantastic to see them carrying on that momentum because I think just to put a bit more context, it's not like they've got a lot of amazing talents that they've been used to down the years. Mm-hmm. This is like their third and fourth like base teams this is their youth academy essentially coming through at the moment playing for them and they're playing with a lot of heart at the moment so fair play to them they're playing really well and the fact that Mudrik is no longer there so they haven't got their talismanic talent as they would have from the early stages of the Champions League 
they're still doing a hell of a job right now. So fair play to them. Yeah, absolutely love it. And just think, every single prospect will now go for 100 million. They are rolling in it, absolutely (laughs) rolling in it. Um, And as we currently speak, the scores are Sevilla beating PSV 3-0. Nesri, Ocampos and Gudej getting the goal. Not sure how to say that last one. Yeah. Sporting losing at home to Midgetland. Um, M.M. Ashore getting the goal again. Sporting Lisbon, 14 shots, zero on target, 73% possession. They've had 634 passes compared to Midgetland's 240. That is a Mourinho performance right there from Midgetland. Oof. And currently, again, as we speak, Juventus are being held 1-1 at home of by Nantes. Of course they are. Of course they are. Vlavic <laughs> has scored and Ludovic Blas for Nantes. Off the top of my head as well, Nantes really aren't doing well this season. I need to double-check that. Um, and yeah. Leifekusen 2, Monaco 2, as I check if I'm right about Nantes. I get the feeling that. They, I are, thir- quite- they are 13th, so they are yeah. literally... Three point, uh, three places above the relegation zone. Wow. Um, they are some distance when it comes to points tally. Um, that said, mm. because they are twenty eight points from twenty three, then the team below them, Montpellier, have got twenty three points. So wow. there is okay. a bit of a gap, but yeah, they're not necessarily pushing it higher up the table, should we say? Well, they can focus it all on the Europa League now. And Leifekusen 2, Monaco 2, Moussa Diaby, Florian Verts, that guy, um, getting the goals for Leifekusen, Ahradetsky and Krepin Diata for Monaco. So lots of goals in the Europa yeah. League and a few surprises, which we which is what we like to see. Exactly. And finally, before we go to our weekend preview, we have to go to the even cooler kids club as we go to the <laughs> conference league and in the early kickoffs we have had Fiorentina beat 10 man Braga 4 nil Yukolovic mm. gets two and yeah. Arta Cabral gets two you know they're still not going to score in Serie A but they've Fiorentina spread your goals out don't get them all in one <laughs> game for the love of god um Carabag beating Ghent yeah, 1-0 that's that's that is massive. Um, that's, that's an achievement at the moment. When you think about the levels of those clubs, don't get me wrong, Carabag are mm. a very big club for what they are, but to get a result against Ghent, that's very big. That's massive for them. That so if they could progress, awesome. That is it. Yeah, well, exactly. That is a great mm. start for them. Travs on sport beating Basel 1 0 and Bodo Glimt mm. like Poznan 0 0. Yeah. Going back to Poznan. I've I've been to Poznan actually to been to been to a game there decent little stadium I like mm-hmm. it I like like Poznan mm-hmm. um, yeah I think they could get something at home maybe but Bodog Glimt are a tricky one aren't they um, and currently yeah. in the dying dying moments ten man Partizan are beating Sheriff one nil away that could be pretty huge um, mm-hmm. we've got AEK Larnaca now I think that is Neil Lennon's team um, beating Dnipro one nil. And we have Ludogrets yes. beating Andelect 1-0 and Lazio, 10-man Lazio. Jesus Christ, oh my God. <laughs> they had Patrick sent off in the 15th minute, but guess who scored for Lazio? Was it Immobile? It was Immobile and it wasn't a penalty. Uh, 45 plus four in the first half to mm. give a currently, as it stands, 1-0 win for the Lazio, which would be a good little start because that is, is it a bit of a tricky game? 
Um, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Forge could be tricky. Um, and that is it. That is all the European football, I think. Um, yeah, so much football. It's 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 truly back the midweek. It's busy again, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's getting really tough to keep on top of it again. So we I might was... need more eyes on it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, as I was like typing all the banners today, the things that come up. <laughs> so I had a bit of like admin, and I was like, okay, Premier League, Champions League. Europa League, bloody hell, Conference <laughs> League, was like any more tournaments? League of Ireland, anybody? <laughs> like, yeah, we will see. But anyway, we are the neighbors enjoying the show. He's banging on the wall again. I'm gonna set fire to his house. Um, we <laughs> need to go for a very little break while I go and get set fire to awesome. your neighbor's house. Uh, yeah, don't tell the police. We are gonna come back after this very short break, and I'm gonna try and get back calm see you on the other side hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. And here we are. It's time for the weekend preview. If I'm a little bit quiet, it's because the police are getting close. I don't want them to know that I'm hiding. I've managed to put the flames out, though. I think we're okay. And it is time to talk about the Premier League and Serie A weekend. We're going to start in the Premier League, I'm going to say. Um, and it starts on Saturday, of course, with Arsenal coming up against Aston Villa as Arsenal take on Unai Emery at Villa Park. Mm. This is the early kickoff. It's got disaster written all over it. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we manage to get something done. It feels like Villa's form at the moment has been really like slightly improving, but definitely like hot and cold. They've got a draw, yeah. two wins, two losses. Definitely like consistency hasn't been their strength. So hopefully Arsenal can take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. But for Unai Emery, we know that against the bigger teams, he does tend to have pretty good game plans. Yes. So I think this could be a tricky one for this. How do you see this game going, Adam? Yeah, when I looked at Villa against Man City, they were just a shadow of their usual selves that we've been used to seeing. However, having said that, obviously they lost against Leicester City not that long ago as well. And Tyron Mings didn't look particularly solid. Um, but they have a habit of doing it against Arsenal, don't they? And Ollie mm -hmm. Watkins in particular has been in good form. Leon yeah. Bailey of late up until the Man City match was quite good as well. Um, yeah, it's in an interesting matchup. And I think if Arsenal are going to gain any confidence, then this is the match to bring it into as well. Um, it'll be interesting as well because Saka, the last time he played against him, was hacked off the pitch, right? Yeah. So I think there is potential revenge for Saka there. I wouldn't be surprised if Saka scores in this match oh, as well. So God, I hope so. Could be beautiful for you, mate. Could God, be beautiful. I hope so. Um, also, the Colombian striker that we talked about, whose name now yes. um, escapes me, absolutely bounced one off the crossbar against City. And I thought, my God, he does really look quite excited. He's definitely going to score this weekend. Yes. Um, next, the game we're going to talk about next is the two surprise packages of the season as Brighton mm -hmm. take on Fulham at the Amex. Yeah. Um, so Brighton currently in sixth, 
Fulham currently on seventh, both on 35 points. Mm-hmm. Brighton have played two games less than Fulham, but this feels like it could be the game of the weekend, I think, in terms of like yes. the most interesting, most exciting, two attacking teams, nothing mm-hmm. to lose, both in great form. What do you think about this one? I'm really excited about the type of football that could be played here because they're both managers that kind of have that philosophy of playing really well. Fulham have been very solid this season, but we've been singing the praises of Brighton this season as well. So it's written in the stars to be a nil-nil draw, right? Um, I just don't know. It could go either way. But also I do feel like Marco Silva is probably the most pragmatic out of the two. So mm-hmm. could he like play it and kind of go the long ball way? I don't know. Um, but Mitrovic has been quiet of late. I have to, it has to be said. So I don't know. I, I think it will be a draw though, personally. What about you? I'm going to say a draw as well, but I think it's going to be an entertaining one. I think it's really going to yeah. be an entertaining one. Down at the bottom... <laughs> we have Everton taking on Leeds in two teams that are, um, yeah. So Everton at 18th, still in the relegation zone. Leeds United are 17th. They one point separates them. Everton, of course, have that one win against Arsenal in the last five. Leeds have no wins in the last five. This could be a scrappy one. Everton, I think people were expecting them to build on the momentum from the Arsenal game. They then got slapped fairly comfortably by Liverpool. How do you see them doing against Leeds? It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because I think Leeds probably more aesthetically feel like they're playing the better football, I would Mm -hmm. dare to say. Um, However, we know they've got a bit of a clangour at the back as well. And Everton against Liverpool were just so poor. So it'll be very interesting again. It feels like it'll be another draw. But Rory, I wanted to allude to you about Leeds. Apparently, the latest search for manager has made them go down the south coast to Harry Redknapp. Apparently, he's been linked with the role. Um, I don't know if we will see his Land Rover where he will have his little hand saying, all right, where's Nico Cranchier? Like, basically, <laughs> hanging Getting out. the old so, band back together. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Oh, God, that's, don't that's do that. Jesus, just stick one. with the bloke there. Stick with the bloke, stick with Skubala and just see how it goes. Because honestly, Harry Redknapp, I'm, I'm, I genuinely have, I, like, my opinion of Harry Redknapp is so low. And I know, <laughs> I know I'm in the minority. A lot of people really think he's a good manager. I just do not see it at all. Leeds, do not do it. Just stick with who you've got. You do not need that guy at your club. Um, elsewhere, we have Chelsea taking on Southampton. That is an opportunity for Chelsea to get back to winning ways. Yeah. Nottingham Forest against Man City. That's, that's going to be an one. interesting one. Mm-hmm. But Man City kind of feel like they're clicking into gear now. Then Newcastle taking on Liverpool. Now, this mm-hmm. is a great one. Liverpool getting a really good result against Everton. Obviously, you never know what version of Liverpool is going to turn up. But Newcastle being crazy good at home. They've had yep. a mad amount of draws. I think they're currently on... The they're on track for the most draws in a Premier League season ever. They've drawn 11 games. Um, how do you see this one going? Will Liverpool get the win or will Newcastle get the draw? I fancy Newcastle for the win, personally. Mm. I think they've got uh, revenge on their minds from the previous game that was at Anfield where they lost 2-1 in the dying seconds, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Alexander Eastak yeah, yeah. as well scored on that particular day. I think that was his debut, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, 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 I think so, it was. Again, I, I just think Liverpool are getting the form right now, but against a side like Newcastle, I think Newcastle have better quality. And I think if you think about the midfield as well, I think compared to Everton, 
they're going to be a lot more dominant in the middle of the park. So I do fancy Newcastle for this particular match. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of seeing a Newcastle win here. Liverpool, again, we've just seen have been crazy, crazy inconsistent. And I think mm. Newcastle have been consistent. Mm. Like They've just been so yeah. consistent. You know like the minimum level of performance you're going to get mm. from them. So I can see Newcastle getting a win here, putting them in great form for the upcoming final that I'm yeah. sure they've all got one eye on. Then on Sunday, we have Manchester United taking on Leicester mm. City. I think that's only going to go one way. And then late on the Sunday, late-ish, mid-afternoon, we have Tottenham taking on West Ham. Now, this is a game that there's always plenty of fight. Two sides that properate each other. I think another game where I think West Ham's record is probably better than it is. But I fancy West Ham to get something here. What do you think? It feels like a game that they could grab something out of it. I want to say those Spurs do scrape a win. That's not the words that Tom wants to hear. I'm sure he's probably cursing me right now. Um, however, <laughs> I just feel like West Ham have their moments at the moment this season. They haven't been consistent enough. And uh, yeah, I think they got away with it against Chelsea. The fact that they were at home, I think, helped them out. Um, here's mm-hmm. a different story. They hate each other. I think the Spurs will go out there trying to win, especially after that dropping against Leicester. So they can't afford another defeat here in particular. Um, but Rory, I wanted to also mention, there's one game we haven't mentioned, which is Brentford versus Crystal Palace as well, isn't there? Mm. So that is an interesting match because Brentford in great form, Crystal Palace not so much, and they probably could do with the win. What, what do you think about this particular matchup? I think um, Crystal Palace are just again, another hot and cold team. I can never predict what they're going to do. I feel like Patrick Vieira is still trying to figure out what he's doing, which is worrying. Um, I think players like Eduard, he's a really good striker. He's When he's played, he's been in quite good form, but I feel like the football doesn't really suit his style of play. It feels like Pat Vieira had a very clear vision and now it's kind of been muddied and lost a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think he needs to refocus and get the team focused again. Yeah. Brentford, really, really really good team <laughs> just a very good team um even tony is an unbelievable striker like unbelievable just the way he holds the ball up and i think brentford should be looking at getting a win here sorry palace fans i still think outside shout for getting dragged into the relegation battle is crystal palace because they're really really struggling at the minute um but we do need to go over to the Serie A, over to italy and it all starts on Friday night or tonight, as you are listening, as Sassuolo host Napoli. Sassuolo on a bit of a revival. Um, we were kind of writing them off for a while, but yeah. they've kind of turned their form around a little bit, unbeaten in four, two wins, two draws. Napoli, obviously, this unstoppable force at the moment. Um, this game's only really going to go one way, right? I expect so. I expect so. Um it's interesting because there's a lot of talks at Napoli about who's going to be there next season. Zelinski mm-hmm. still being linked with a move out of the club at the moment. Um, but yeah, w- with that exception, Napoli seems strong enough. Um, and I think, again, do they rest ahead of the Champions League this time around? Um, it'll be interesting. But I think they'll be stupid and naive not to keep the momentum going. And I'm sure what they'll do is strong 11 for the first 60 minutes and then they'll start taking off 
certain key players, shall we say. So, yeah, can only see maybe a 2-0 victory for Napoli. What about you? Nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be fairly comfortable. Yeah. Sassuolo will put up a bit of a fight, but Napoli will get the job done. We have Sampdoria yeah. versus Bologna. Bologna really actually kind of, again, a bit of like, well, they lost their last game. They were doing quite well before that. I feel like Bologna, this could mm. be a tricky one. Sampdoria, though, Firmly in trouble. Stankovic definitely not having a good time there. Maybe that is a comfortable win for Bologna. That is on Saturday. Yeah. Then we have Monza taking on mm. Milan as Bellasconi faces up against his former club. Um, first chairman not celebrating against a team, maybe we might see. Although knowing Bellasconi, he's definitely going to celebrate. <laughs> um, well, we've seen Monza at home. They've been very, very difficult to beat at home. So I think this could be a tricky one for Milan. We've said that, you know, the 1-0 win against um, uh, whoever it was, they beat 1-0. Sassuolo? No, not Sassuolo. I can't remember. And then they beat Tottenham 1-0, right? Starting to get yeah. a bit of a win together, a bit of form together. But Monza is a very tricky place to go. How do you see this one going? I think if you think about how Monza have done it against the bigger teams like Juventus, they could get something out of this match. Um, just looking at the last five games as well, um, they are second behind Napoli in terms of last five games form. So, yeah, it could easily go the way of Monza. Um, and as you allude to, I expect Galliani and obviously his right hand, Bellasconi, really celebrating and living it up. So, uh yeah, I would not be surprised if Monza shock hits like win one 0 here. I could see that yeah. happening. Yeah, the only unbeaten team in Serie A since the World Cup. We keep saying it. We're going to keep saying it until it's not true. They are absolutely killing it, Monza. Um, then late on Saturday, we have Inter against Udinese. Now, Inter dropping mm. the ball against Sampdoria with that nil-nil, really yes. not what they needed. Need to get a win against Udinese, we know are a tricky, tricky team. Mm -hmm. Definitely, like, the first, their start to the season was great, really not doing well the second half of the season, but this it could still be a tough game for Inter. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's, it's weird with Inter. You just don't know which side is going to turn up. Um, I think it should be comfortable, though, because Inter are at home. If this was at Udinese and Udine, then I would expect a bit more of a harder game, but... I think Uden or Inter should pull off a win. It might be by a slight goal margin, though. I'm not expecting mm. a huge amount of goals in this one. And I also just just to mention it because um, I forgot to mention it to you earlier, Rory. Latara Martinez linked with a move to Arsenal, supposedly ninety again. So yeah. Yeah, the, the weirder one I saw as well, because Inter Shock are desperate to raise money, they're apparently offering <laughs> yeah. out Andre Anana as well for 50 million. Um, okay. All is not well at Inter. There is some mad, mad shit going on there. But it's coming back then. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll get Tatrasanu from Milan. Who knows? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think, like, I don't know. If. If there needs to be a fire sale, I would be quite happy for Arsenal to take advantage. Let's say that. Um, mm. Elsewhere, we are Atalanta against Lecce on Sunday. Nice little interesting one there. Fiorentina taking on Empoli in a very mid-table clash. Fiorentina desperately <laughs> need a win. Salernitana taking on Lazio as Paolo Souza makes his Serie A return. Serie A debut? Serie A return? Mm -hmm. Yeah, return. probably. Uh, um, then Spezia hosting Juventus, managerless Spezia taking on Juventus. Roma mm. against Verona on Sunday night. 
And then Monday night, we have Torino versus Cremonese. Very quickly, Adam, I'm going to say Atalanta-Lecce. Give me some words. Uh, goal spree for Atalanta. Oof. There we go. I like that. I like that. But Bashirotto is going to have something to say, I think. We will He'll see. Get his plow out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he has something to say. Well, listeners, viewers, thank you for joining us once again. It is time for us and you to go. But before you do, as always, please follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Like and subscribe, leave comments if you heavily agree, disagree, or don't care about something we've said in this episode. <laughs> Just leave it down there. We'll read it. Um, and yeah, we will now leave you. Anything to say before I give them their customary quote of the week? No, just looking forward to the weekend full of interesting games, right, Rory? Fingers crossed. Speriamo. Speriamo. Now, yeah. guys, there was only one person we could talk about for this week's customary quote, and it is, of course, Graham Potter. And maybe this is why he doesn't show much personality, because this is him attempting a joke. We'll let you be the judge. I was used to football supporters hammering me, and I thought my name was Graham Potter Boo at one point. We'll see you next week, listeners. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.